God, we do thank you for, uh, Lord, this opportunity we have to gather as a church family. Uh, Lord, I realize that some of us walk into this room just already worn out. We think about another week, and we're already exhausted. Uh, Some of us have a type of pace and cadence that is not sustainable. Um, Lord, others of us uh, have a, a lot of free time, maybe too much free time, and are unsure how to steward the time you've given us well. So God, I pray, no matter where we find ourselves, that you would show us a new way today. Show us a way that, um, that uses time, stewards time well faithfully, that's driven by your priorities. God, give us understanding into this text. Be our guide, be our teacher, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Kevin DeYoung, in his book, Crazy Busy, uh, says this about the way many of us live our lives. He says, you and I have a problem. Most mornings, we drag ourselves out of bed, start the day's routine, and hope against hope that we can simply hold our ground. Maybe we can keep the house in only a mild state of disaster. Maybe we can break even on the to-do list. Maybe no one else will get sick. Maybe the inbox won't get any fuller. Maybe we won't fall asleep after lunch or during the sermon. Maybe... Just maybe we can get enough done in the next 18 hours to beat back the beast of busyness and live to see another day. We wake up most days not trying to serve, just trying to survive. I wonder how many of us today would say that describes exactly how I feel right now. I wonder how many of us have even said, man, I blinked and the summer just flew by. Or how many of us said this weekend, wow, I cannot believe it's already the weekend. Where did the week go? Or maybe to think about it a different way, as you're interacting with people, maybe asking them how they're doing, how often do you hear people say this? Wow, my life feels really balanced right now. Or I love all of the margin I have in my life. Or I'm finally doing what's most important rather than what feels most urgent. It almost sounds weird, doesn't it? When in reality, the way that we would describe our lives is we're busy, we're overloaded, and perhaps we'd even say we're just trying to survive. And it's interesting because it feels like busyness is almost a boast disguised as a complaint. It's almost like busyness right now, having a life that's full, feels like a badge of honor, even a a virtue. Because the way that that response is typically met is, well, it's better than the opposite, or that's a good problem to have. We look at having a full life, and there's part of us that says, I want that. And part of the reason for that is we sometimes confuse activity with faithfulness. It seems as if busyness is the new desired status, that one of the primary cultural values that we live in today is that a busy life is an important life, that we feel this cultural pull to find our self-worth in a packed out schedule, that you're valuable only as much as you're busy. And I think a lot of us feel this pull. A lot of us might even say, I feel like life is like I'm running on a treadmill, but maybe not going anywhere. So, Does this have anything to do uh, with stewardship? I I certainly think it does. I think that time is one of the most significant resources that God entrusts to us. I think that's true because time is the divinely given place that we live out God's will. 
I think time is the arena where we work out the stewardship command given to us by God and where we express our gifts. That time is the dimension where we practice generosity and live out gospel-shaped priorities. And how you use your time reveals a lot about a person. Now, while we're not all given the, the same amount of time in terms of years, every one of us had the same 168 hours last week. We all had the same 744 hours in July. We had all the same 8,760 hours last year. And so the question is, how did you use the time you were given? Did you use the time to simply survive the chaos? Or did you use that time as a faithful steward serving God? Our primary text this morning is Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17. And my aim today is to help us think through what it looks like to use our lives and our time in a way that fits with the mission of God. I want to help us think through how to not just survive another week, but to thrive as a faithful steward of the time that God has entrusted to us. So let me show you three ways to live in light of this passage. Here's the first way, verse 15, is we are to examine our lives attentively. Examine our lives attentively. It's important to know as we kind of just jump into uh, Ephesians 5 that Paul is trying to explain something really significant. If you let your eyes kind of wander up to verse 10, he says, try to discern, to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Okay, so he's trying to unpack and explain how do we please the Lord? Even if you move up to chapter 4, verse 1, he's, he's saying, I'm trying to help explain how to live a life worthy of our calling. And so in light of that, one of the places that he goes is our time. Isn't that interesting? That we can please God with how we use and invest our time. He's going to be very explicit with that in verse 16. Look with me at verse 15 as he sets that up. He admonishes us to look carefully how you walk. Now, this is very Pauline. If you've read his letters, you know he loves that word walk. That represents or it's a metaphor for how one lives their life. Paul here is calling us to examine our lives attentively because that word to look, yes, it can mean to see with your eyes, but more frequently throughout the Bible, it means to, to pay attention, to examine with care, to consider or to perceive. In the Bible, uh, we are often told to look for danger, but also we're to look so as to not miss what is most important. Okay? In combination with that, he says to do so carefully which means to look with a level of intentionality, a level of deliberateness and accuracy. So when I put that together, I think it's clear what Paul's calling us to do. We are to live with a high degree of intentionality. Now he'll explain one way to walk or live carefully in verse 16, and it has to do with our time. And it's so fascinating because what could be more basic and routine than time? Like the sun rises and falls every day. We have 24 hours in a day. We have seven days in a week. Uh, all of us, we wake up, we get dressed, we eat, we either go to school or work or we do activities. We come home, we eat, and we go to bed. And, and that routine is something that we do, that cycle day after day, week after week, and Lord willing, year after year. And while there is something really beautiful about that rhythm, it's very possible uh, even likely 
that we can slip into a type of routine within the rhythm of life that lulls us into a pattern of merely existing or surviving rather than living carefully and intentionally. See, even in the immediate context, if you look at verse 14, Paul is concerned that we not be lulled into sleep by falling into the kind of sin pattern and sin issues that are part of this gravitational pull of the culture. And so I think Paul here is connecting time with stewardship, that he's calling us to to remember that faithful stewardship requires an attentive examination on a regular basis to look carefully how you live, to constantly and consistently stop and think deeply about how you're living and how you're investing your time and why. To consider the fact that because you're a Christian, because you're a follower of Jesus, how should that impact your investment of your time that's different than if you weren't a Christian? See, we need to think deeply and intentionally about how we use our time or else we're gonna be swept away by whatever feels most urgent rather than what's most important. I think an unexamined life and an unthoughtful life is a dangerous one in the Christian life. And so let me give you a couple of questions that you should be asking, I think, on a regular basis in order to examine how you live your life well. You should be asking the question, why am I here and what is God's calling on my life? Why am I investing the time that God has given me in these particular areas of my life? Or how are my priorities expressed in how I use my time? See, you and I, we need regular times of slowing down and thinking and looking carefully about how it is that we are living and stewarding the time that God has given us. A couple of ways you can do that, you can journal every day, you can pray, you can reflect You can have your accountability partners, your friends ask you these kinds of questions about your pace, your rhythm, and your priorities. But one thing is clear, faithful stewards live with intentionality when it comes to the time they've been given. So that's the first way. Here's the second way, though. In verse 16, Paul calls us to invest our time wisely. Look with me at the end of verse 15, where Paul says, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. This is really helpful because it's been said that time has become the most precious commodity in the land. That's exactly what Kirby Anderson argues in uh, his article uh, on the Leadership University publication. He's arguing that the expression time is money is becoming less and less true. That over the last several decades, time has actually become more valuable because it's much more scarce. It's interesting because he then cites that in the the 50s and the 60s, there were these optimistic futurists and economists who had a vision of utopia in the future. They actually predicted that because of advanced technology, that Americans would have hours and hours and hours of free time and leisure time and margin by the 21st century. They actually predicted in the 50s and 60s that people by 1985 would be working only 22 hours a week, only 27 weeks a year, 
and could retire by the age of 38. They were actually worried that the major challenge facing people by the 1990s would be what would people do with all the free time, leisure time, and margin because of the advance in technology? I think it's safe to say that no one has that issue in this room, right? Now, the optimists were partly right, that because of advanced technology, we do experience more efficiency. Yet, instead of experiencing more freedom, I think people are busier than ever. Instead of margin and free time, we have just taken on additional responsibilities. We're squeezing in even more activities into an already crammed calendar. He goes on to say that as the pace of our lives has increased, overcommitment and busyness have been elevated to socially desirable standards. That being busy is trendy. Pity the person who has an organized life and a livable schedule. Everyone, it seems, is running out of time. I wonder if you can relate to that this morning. Feel like you just don't have enough time in the day. Well, unlike many of the other resources that God entrusts to us, time is not renewable. You might lose money, but you can always earn more. You might lose possessions, but you can always acquire more possessions. But time is a non-renewable commodity. If you squander it away, it is lost forever. This is how the Bible talks about time. This is just perspective shaping for us. James chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So what do we do? How do we think about time and stewarding it faithfully? This is where Paul becomes really helpful. Verse 16, Paul tells us what to do with our time and our perspective on time. He says, make the best use of the time. This means to maximize it, to invest it wisely. Some of your translations might have redeem the time. In other words, you can't hold on to time forever, so you need to invest it well in what matters most. This is what it means to live wisely. That's why Paul says, don't be unwise, but be wise. I found this interesting. This expression, making the best use of the time, is a phrase that actually shows up in Daniel chapter 2, verse 8. If you were here, we walked through Daniel a few months ago as a church. And just to refresh you, that's the scene in which King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, was having those crazy dreams. He couldn't interpret them. He didn't know the meaning of it. He's freaking out. He can't sleep. And so he gets all the wise men together, and he says, you better tell me the meaning of, of these dreams, or I'm going to put you to death. And so these wise men are freaking out. And verse 8 says they are trying to make the most use of the time. They're trying to buy back the time, meaning they knew that time was short. And so their application of that was not to busy themselves with meaningless activity. No, they're trying to figure out the meaning of the dream. They live with purpose and intentionality because the time is short. I think that's what Paul's saying here in verse 16. I think the meaning here, the application, is that because time is short, because the days are evil, because we are living in the last days, we should have a sense of urgency in how we use the time we have left. Or I would say it this way, that embracing our finiteness creates urgency to living wisely. 
This is uh, in part what I think is behind Psalm 90, verse 12, one of my favorite psalms here. As a young pastor, I need to remind myself of this every single day. It says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It's so good. When you and I realize that time is short, life is fleeting. It's not time is short, so live it up. It's not time is short, so YOLO. It's time is short, so invested in things that will matter for all of eternity. Look, my, my concern this morning is less about you and I being busy. We're all busy. But guess what? The Apostle Paul was busy. If you read the New Testament, I mean, Jesus was busy. If you read the book of Mark, you're going to see that word immediately showing up over 40 times. Immediately he did this. Immediately he did that. He was busy. He lived a full life. That's not my concern. My concern is if you are being faithful in the midst of busyness. That's my concern. If because of your pace, are you cutting corners spiritually? Are you allowing faithfulness to drive how it is that you live your life? If we busy our lives, let's busy them with things that matter for all of eternity. We are to redeem the time with our day, not with meaningless activity, but as faithful stewards who are driven by God's priorities. See, I'm much more concerned about what are the priorities that are dictating how you invest your time. I love what Richard Baxter says here. Richard Baxter, uh, he was a Puritan pastor in the 1600s. You're thinking, well, what does that have to do with today? There's no way he has anything relevant to say. Well, listen to this. He says, spend your time in nothing which you know must be repented of, in nothing on which you might not pray for the blessing of God, in nothing in which you could not review with a quiet conscience on your dying bed, in nothing which you might not safely and properly be found doing if death should surprise you in the act. That's a good word from our old Puritan pastor, but that, I think, might fall on us in different ways today. If we're going to call a spade a spade, depending on your age, you have a different perspective on time. Uh, what I mean by that is that if you're here today and you might be on your last lap, you've lived a lot of life, your challenge when it comes to living wisely, living and making the best use of your time, there's a temptation to just kind of limp in towards that finish line, to, to think to yourself, man, I've, I've done so much for the kingdom. I'm just going to kind of take it easy here with my last lap. Or, or maybe to allow bitterness or resentment or regrets to rob you of finishing well. That might be your challenge today. Or maybe others of us where we haven't lived a lot of life yet, the temptation that we might face is to give our lives to what feels most urgent rather than what's most important, right? To think, ah, oh, I don't really think about death all that often. I've got a lot of years left. And so that mentality can rob us of living with urgency centered around God's priorities. See, I think the call here is to make sure that we're asking the question, what should I be doing with my life? Not what can I do? You and I, we can do a million things, but what should I be doing? What are the things that are most important driven by God's priorities? And that takes wisdom. That's why Paul calls us here to live as wise, not as unwise. 
because a wise person knows how to make the best use of their time because their priorities are aligned with God's priorities. Wise person knows how to say no to things that don't line up to the right priorities. A wise person knows the difference between what's urgent and what is important. So the challenge here is to make sure that your priorities are not being influenced by the world's priorities, where they tend to value efficiency and accomplishment and success and, and having a certain kind of image. Those aren't God's priorities at all. So let's get a little bit more practical this morning. What, what does it look like to, to be driven by God's priorities? I want to share with you, just to kind of um, give you some application today, a rubric that my mentor uh, shared with me a few years ago. It's been so helpful in taking God's priorities and having that impact how I spend my time. I'm going to give you six words that start with the letter P that should shape your time because these are the top six priorities. I'm going to talk about being God's person, being the best partner you can be, parents is next, then parishioner, then uh, provider, and then finally player. Okay, let me unpack each of those. Your first priority is to be the godliest person that you can be. This is a non-negotiable. Like When you think about your time, when you think about your priorities, there is nothing more important than the way that you follow Jesus. Your time alone with God, practicing the spiritual disciplines, making sure that when it comes to priorities, when it comes to things that, that get squeezed out of your day, that this is a non-negotiable. Okay, that's priority number one. Priority two, if you're married, is to be the best spouse or partner that you can possibly be. To cultivate a gospel-centered marriage where you're pursuing your spouse, you're making time for your spouse, you're serving them, and you're being the best spouse that you can possibly be for them. Then after that comes being the right kind of parent. Notice that that comes after being the best spouse that you can be. Sometimes we can put our kids above our spouse. That's not God's priorities for your life. And even as we think about parenting, there are kind of two things that we need to balance. Where on one hand, yes, you are the primary disciple maker for your kids. You want to model for them what it looks like to have a vibrant relationship with Jesus. You want to teach them the truth that's found in God's word. You want to show them what grace and repentance looks like. Absolutely. But you also want to avoid having a child-centric home where your schedule, your calendar revolves around them, revolves around Johnny's soccer game and Susie's dance recital, and they're dictating your schedule and your time. And yet you still want to invest in them and be present with them. The next thing after there is, is being the healthiest parishioner or the healthiest member that you can be. And if you're not a member at Pennington Park Church, we strongly encourage you to, to take that step become an official member of this church family. But if you are a member, my challenge for you is to be the healthiest member you can be, to embrace our two plus one philosophy here, where the two is on Sunday morning, making sure that you're serving and you're attending the service. And then the plus one is participating in a small group so that you're in community, you're being held accountable, and you're being encouraged by other believers. We want you to be engaged here, being a, um, not being a spectator, being a participant in the life of our church. And then notice the job comes after that, being a provider, which is a biblical mandate. You want to provide for your family. 
but all these other priorities above that should be most pressing. Again, this is about priorities. This isn't about time allocation. Obviously, you're going to be working X amount of hours a week, but what's most pressing? What should be the, the priorities of your life? This is kind of the order here. And then the last one is player. And I mean by, what I mean by that is recreation. You should prioritize playing and resting and enjoying the gifts that God has given you. Invest in friendships. Laugh with your friends. Play games with your friends. Invest in a hobby and worship God by the things that he has given you. Like I just want to give you those priorities as, as a way to allow these priorities that I see in God's word to shape how you invest your time, how you make your schedule and your calendar throughout the week, while also avoiding being overly dogmatic. I'm not going to get up here and say, you shouldn't work more than 40 hours a week. It's not prescriptive. It's not in the Bible. I'm not going to tell you that you have to go on a weekly date with your spouse. That's not prescriptive in the Bible, which is why, again, we need wisdom. That's why Paul says, walk as someone who's not unwise, but as wise, to kind of work this out, even in community with other believers who know you well, know your tendencies, knows kind of your pace and rhythm in this stage of life that you're in, and ask for input in order to faithfully and wisely steward the time that God has given you. Now, I want to just pause here for a moment before we get to the, the third point here. And I want to go back to the spectrum of stewardship that I introduced last week. I'm going to try to connect each of these topics to this spectrum because, again, this is not just about money. This series is not just about money. And I want to ask you, as it relates to your time, where do you fall on this spectrum? Maybe you're on the far right side and you'd say, yeah, I think that I'm a biblical steward when it comes to time because I view time as first and foremost belonging to God that God entrusts me with this time, but I'm driving, I'm living my life based on God's priorities. Or, or maybe you're here and you're maybe one step to the left there where you'll give your time to God's priorities, but you do so in a self-protective way, meaning you'll do it based on what you get in return. Maybe you're thinking, okay, if I give some time to church, maybe then God will bless me. Or if I give my time in helping my neighbor with something, then, then maybe God will do something for me in return. You do things for what you get in return. That's not the best motive. Or maybe you move it more towards the left right there in the middle of a guilt-driven generosity where you're generous with your time, but you're doing it just because you don't want to feel bad. <laughs> where where you're, you're more motivated by guilt rather than by grace. Or maybe you're one more to the left there, where you're passively resistant to understanding your time and investing your time in God's priorities. And oftentimes when it, relate, when it comes to time, this is seen in just being lazy, not having intentionality, not applying verse 15, just kind of being sloppy with your schedule, with your time, doing whatever feels most urgent. Or maybe you're on the far, far left side. You have an owner mentality, meaning where you think that your time belongs to you. It's mine. Therefore, I determine how to best use it. And no matter where you are on that spectrum, I want to ask a follow-up question. Again, if I was just having coffee with you today, and we're talking about this, this, this issue in your life, I would then ask you, what is underneath your understanding of your time? What's driving your belief in how you view and invest your time? 
That if you're on the far left side of that spectrum, why? And I might even suggest to you, could it be a lordship issue? Meaning, could it be that you're on that far left side of an owner mentality because you're living for your own will rather than God's will? I love Amanda Duvall's insight in this. She says that my primary issue isn't one of balance or time, it's of lordship. Is the day mine or is it his? Are my needs mine to fret over or are they his to see and supply? Is my to-do list something for me to complete at all costs or is it his to guide and direct? Look, we can talk about time management, efficiency, being balanced, whatever that means. But what I'm most concerned about is what's in your heart, what's on the throne of your heart that then dictates how you spend your time and how do you shape your priorities. And that's why I think verse 17 is so important. Verse 17 kind of feels like a throw-in, like what's that doing there? But it's so important in helping us to understand how to faithfully steward the time that God has given us, where Paul says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, because of the way that you use your time, that reveals if you're living for God's will or your own will. Based on how you use your time, that reveals if you have an owner mentality or if you have a steward mentality, which takes us to our third and final point here, and that's to consider God's will thoughtfully. And this is really just a matter of surrender. This is a matter of getting to that place in your life where you believe and you live out the fact that you are not your own. You've been bought with a price, and that includes the way that you use your time, living for God's will and not your own. Just to illustrate this, um, my wife and I, we have three kids, ages eight, five, and two, which means we haven't slept in eight years. But during the summertime, um, we've noticed that our kids tend to develop really bad sleeping habits, where they're, you know, they're up way too late. And, and so par- part of our goal each day is just to wear them out. Like, let's get them outside, use the humidity, maybe do the pool, whatever, and just get them so tired that at the end of the day, they're ready to go to sleep. Well, towards the end of the evening, one of the things that we might do from time to time, we might turn on a show for a little bit, and yet when it's time for bed, you know, I'll get up, you know, turn off the TV, I'll say, okay, time for bed, let's go brush teeth, put PJs on, go potty, read the Bible, and we're going to sleep in our own beds tonight, right? And every time I do that, and it always shocks me and surprises me, it's always met with resistance, Like, it's never like, okay, daddy, we're ready for bed. Like, yeah, we'll turn off this show. It's always met with this kind of this battle and this war. And and they always say, oh, no, daddy, I'm not tired yet. Like, let's let's finish this movie. I'm like, no, like, I can see your eyes. They they look really sleepy. It's it's time for bed. And it's usually that moment where this emotional eruption occurs. You know, we're like, no, daddy, I'm not tired. Like, let's just finish the movie. And, And I'm like, no, I can... I can see the tears, like that's telling me you're ready for bed. And if you're a parent, you know the drill. You've had this, this conversation a hundred times where you feel like you're, you're negotiating with a terrorist, right? I mean, like there's no reason at this point. They're exhausted. And it's just this, it's this battle, it's this war. And in my best days, 
uh, my response is to say, nope, it's time for bed. Get upstairs and get ready for bed or there will be consequences. I won't share with you how I respond on my worst days. We're all in process. Um, but it's, it's interesting because in that moment, like I have to intentionally steward my children's time wisely because if it's up to them, man, they're going to do whatever they want to do. They're going to stay up all night. They're going to watch movie after movie after movie. And the next day, it's going to be a train wreck because they're going to be exhausted. And so I have to step in and say, look, the best way to use the time that you've been given is to go to bed. And yet, it's always met with this battle. It's their will versus my will. And I share that with you because that's a picture of your life and my life every single day. That we have an opportunity to either submit to God's will for how to use the time that he's given to us, or we say, no, 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 God, I, I think I'm going to figure this out on my, I'm going to do what I want to do with my time because it belongs to me. And that's why verse 17 is so helpful. Paul's like, don't be a fool. Don't, don't live however you want to live. Submit yourself and understand God's will for your life and have your schedule and your time be informed by that. So my question for you this morning, just as we close, is whose will are you living for? Are you living for God's will or are you living for your own? And before you just give me the churchy response and say God's will, just know that your schedule and your time should back up your answer. You can't cheat on this one. Like, I don't, I don't even need you to respond. I can just sit down and look at your calendar. I can look at your schedule. I can look at your priorities, and I can have the answer of whose will you are actually living for. See, could it be that some of us today are living just tight-fisted with the resources that God has given us, including time, because at the end of the day, it's a lordship issue. At the end of the day, these things belong to me. Instead of living open-handedly, with wisdom, thinking, God, how do you want to use the time that you've entrusted to me faithfully and wisely? To ask the question on a daily basis, God, how do you want me to use the time you've given to me? Look, we are placed on this earth in this particular moment in human history, not just to be busy, not just to have full lives. There's way more at stake that God's will is meant to guide us in how we invest our time, which means putting first things first. It means putting God's kingdom above all. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 6, He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what it means to be a Christian. What it means to be a Christian is not just giving God your eternity, that's just giving him your faith. That's just giving him your heart or your words or your purity or your mind. It means giving him your time and your calendar as well. And in a couple of weeks, we'll talk about giving him your checkbook and saying, God, I'm living completely surrendered to you. I'm living based on your priorities for my life and not for mine. And look, I know this is hard. Man, we live in Hamilton County. Pace is fast right? It's so easy just to busy our calendars and not live with purpose, not live being driven by God's priorities. And yet, guess who else wrestled with this issue? Jesus did. 
in the Garden of Gethsemane, Luke 22, Jesus is ours before he dies on the cross for our sin. He's sweating drops of blood and he declares something that's so helpful for us to declare every day. He says, not what I want, not my will, but your will be done, talking to the Father. And that is the daily cry of a faithful steward. Not my will, but your will be done. Look, God so wants us to be freed from the busy trap. He so wants us to avoid foolishly wasting our time. But the way that he does that is not by rearranging our schedules. It's not by managing our time more efficiently. He wants to set us free from this busy trap by addressing the condition in our hearts. It's a lordship issue at the end of the day. And for us to understand, God is not some frantic CEO who wants us to give him our anxious, burdened living. God is a loving father. He wants us to flourish. He wants us to live with his peace because our lives are driven with his priorities. So time, one of the most influential resources God gives us. And the question is, is your calendar and your use of time informed by God's priorities? Because time belongs to him. Let's pray together. God, we do give you praise and thanks for your love and your patience with us. God, we thank you that you want so much more for us than just living frantic, busy lives without purpose. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom, give us discernment about how to manage each day, each week, each month, each year. Lord, help us to make decisions that are informed by your priorities, your purpose for our lives. Lord, I pray that you would give us grace as we manage so many things on a daily basis. God, we need your help and we need your wisdom. We want to be faithful stewards because everything, everything belongs to you, including the time that you've given to us. So help us to be faithful, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.